I'm trying to do the bass level with this like choir. Welcome back to another episode with the three of us. Now in very distant places from each other. Yes, actually, Emily, where are you? Tell us. I'm back in Tunis. Ay, ay, ay. Tunis al Khadra. I come in peace. <laughs> We're coming, coming. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really good to see you. Feel like somehow further away from you now. We were all locked up in our rooms, and I felt like we were somehow in the same cyberspace. And now, you life broke into slowly. reality now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it feels I've good to be home. reality-ish now here. Yeah, so Yemen is. Where is Yemen? I'm in Athens. Mm. Lucky, lucky. It's not as laid back as what you described in Tunis, but yeah, it's been good to see friends and be in Athens and see some sun and eat some good food. And yeah. It's good. And Christina, what about you? I am in my place, rooted, unrooted, uh, in London. South London. Yeah. Representing. This is our first live session in a while. So we were discussing the um, the ups and downs of our times and uh, what has been happening all around. And in light of the almost like awakening of people to the uh, injustices that black people have been facing, we decided that oh we have actually been covering certain music from the uh southwest of asia and north africa uh that has african rhythms black music in it but we haven't focused on it right where we dedicated uh, a whole episode to it so we've been having a lot of discussions and uh, each one of us as usual, went and did their research, right, on on, on the topic, uh, in a in an effort to understand, uh, or not just understand, but sort of to explore. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And others. And yeah mm-hmm. The beauty of, of, of and the richness African and diversity. I'm actually really excited uh, about this episode because I think each one of us has come back with some like really exciting pieces. So um, I know we said I would start, but I'm actually dying to hear some music. Like we have music from Djibouti, we have music from Ethiopia, from Bahrain, from all across. Yeah, so we do have um, music from North Africa, MENA region by African artists. And as well as from East Africa, West Africa. Um, And I think this will also be a multiple episode uh, exploration because it's it's far too far too rich to cover in one go. And we've spoken lots about Gnawa and about Stambeli, which also deserves more uh, exploration with its Libyan and Algerian totally um, Mm. versions. And also Zar, I didn't even get a chance to go into Zar music. Mm, yeah, that would be nice. Be, which would be very interesting to maybe speak about. But yeah, so let's just start with a very um, with a very general overview and um, and see where the conversation takes us. Hey, it's funny because just as you're saying that, I'm thinking, oh, shall we start in Zanzibar? <laughs> let's start in Zanzibar. Within my research, I was thinking, oh, 
what, what are the, I, I even don't know how I came across Tarab and Tarab in uh, Zanzibar, and they have their own version of Tarab. And so the version of Tarab that is present in Zanzibar has roots in, yeah, I don't want to go, get into too many details, but they're related to Omani colonialism in Zanzibar because that's where the slave trade used to be. Mm -hmm. However, I discovered as well that Oman was the main place that uh, for slave trade from India and Africa. Uh, and so um, back in like 1800s, in the mid or later 1800s, the Sultan uh, of Oman, whose name was Bargash, um, basically wanted to create an orchestra and he sent some of his people and helpers to go to, to Egypt, who explored the music uh, and Tarab in Egypt. And then he brought some musicians back and he formed his own orchestra. It used to be just present in the palaces, but then it somehow became more widely available amongst the people. And so for today, I wanted, as I always do, to shed the light on a woman who was uh, almost a pillar of song um, in Zanzibar. And her name was uh, Siti bin Saad, uh, and she's also dubbed the mother of Tarab. Um, mm. The song that we will be listening to is called Ashi Rega Sawahili, Tarab, um, and um, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, but she was a pioneering singer and apparently the first woman in East Africa to record her songs on album. And she has a repertoire of around 150 records. Um, and she recorded like massively between 1928 and 1950 and even went to India to record. So and and one of the other things that she covered in her songs is protest against class oppression and men's abuse of women. Um, so now if we listen to Siti Bin Saad uh, and her song Ashi Rega Swahili Taro. Thank you. 
Could you tell us a little bit more about Tara? It actually comes from the verb um, to like to really enjoy, to get into an ecstatic mode where you really enjoy music. And it it was it was famed that both the singer and the audience would get into a state of tarab where the singer feels this almost like a nirvana of song, and so does the audience. Yeah, I think I think it's it, it's quite old the way, like because Zanzibar started becoming a a stable of the uh, Omani Sultanates from the 1600s, if not earlier. And it had Arabic presence and 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 the Islamic presence even predates that. Um, and it, it, you can even find traces of tarab exactly in the Shari'i, whatever it's called mm. in English, uh, in in Malaysia even, and in yeah. uh, in Southeast Asia, in very similar um, uh, manner uh, to the one that exists in in Tanzania. But it it has also influences from Yemen, from Oman, and it's it's an evolvement. It's, it's not like a, a trying to copy Egypt from 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 what I know. It's just like an evolvement, an accumulation of of influences started to to evolve in the, in, in Zanzibar mm. specifically because there was lots of Arabs as the rulers of the region. The elites of the region were Arabs, and that was that was becoming the music of choice for for the for for the people who want to make a living out of music it just become the trend and also through uh, cultural integration and influences mm. between actually each other. i just remembered sorry that in zanzibar specifically uh, as i was speaking about uh, the omani sultan bringing the music from egypt uh, it was said that only in the 1920s did uh, the nadi ikhwan safa emerge who sort of popularized the music and brought it from the palaces to the general public Uh, one important information that i forgot to add to this was that before city started singing it was a genre that was made only for men she also sang in swahili whereas before that it was sung in arabic and it was a an act of defiance in terms of using their own language and where will you take us next? Emily. Okay. Show us what you got. So you made me think of uh, one of the artists I picked from Mauritania, Maluma. Have you heard mm. of Maluma? Mm-hmm. So she was born in the 60s into uh, a griot family. And uh, she was very, very, very critical in uh, in her lyrics, and especially her first song, Habibi Habaytu, spoke very critically about the abuse of husbands against their their wives. 
And uh, she had uh, a lot of criticism from the ruling classes in uh, Mauritania. And something that I learned along this research was that there is a case system in, in Mauritania. She's part of the Moors. So the lighter colored uh, mm. Mauritanians who work in, in higher administration and uh, government. And then you have the Haratin, which are traditionally slaves or Abid. And there's very little thing. So she also, through her music, criticized a lot of this case system. Like all good artists, she was banned and, and couldn't perform and record in Mauritania and, and did lots of performances and recording abroad until, I think, in the early 2000s when she could go back. And, and well, wasn't she hmm. a minister at some point? Yes, she's also politically active. Yes, I don't know exactly so. her, her yeah. position. But what I also didn't know was that Mauritania is the last country to officially abolish slavery. So well, I think until 2007, it was abolished before, and I think in the 80s or something. But until 2007, it was still not illegal or criminalized for people to own slaves. Um, to be honest, uh -huh. here I would actually think about the definition of slavery, because actually yeah. if we think about the domestic workers that mm. work in a lot of yeah, the Arabic-speaking exactly. countries, I mean, oh, yeah. is that not slavery? Oh yeah, absolutely. And the kafela system. system. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I want to play the song, which is called Khayala. From her 2007 album Noor on Marabi Productions, which I think is a French label. What year was this released? 2007. <laughs> I'm not 
يلا يا من حمزه علاء الدين هيز نوبيان ايجيبشن ميوزيشن فروم ساوث اوف ايجيبت اولموست اون ذا بوردر اوف وذ السودان هيز he sang both in arabic and in nubian and sometimes mm-hmm. in english i believe mm-hmm. um he's he's he is a mind blowing folk artist like one of the best in the world in my opinion ever um he was uh, an electrical engineer and then somehow he after graduating started working he decided to switch his career into music and he goes to study in the musical institute in Cairo and after that he went to Rome he he goes to Rome in Italy to continue his studies and from there he travels to the US uh, and and Japan for some time to study uh, folk Japanese folk music so one of the things he he made which was iconic he traveled around Egypt in the 40s and 50s to document uh, folk music uh, on a grant from the government and then uh mainly focusing on Nubian music uh, a grant from which government I, i'm not sure but i think if it's in the 40s 50s it's, it must be uh, king faru yeah and but i didn't know that he went to japan yeah he went to, he went and lived in japan to to study what's the name of the japanese um, like similar to the ulut uh, it's it's um, like a four or five string instrument it's related mm. to folk music he's actually quite famous in japan oh wow mm. have a record for him which is pressed in Japan lots of his records which is which uh, were released in Japan for some reason and did he uh, ever record with japanese artists i've heard him playing on the on that instrument that i can't remember what its name mm. the japanese art but he was he, he he was attracted to it because of its similarities to to the oud and the tradition of storytelling and, mm. and uh, the folk element of it so that was what drew him to it and then he went there to Tokyo to study it the song is called shortunga which means the spirits in nubian Should do. 
safih kushentani Linkililing, kilililing, ujul kushentani Ong kumbang kash kash, kumbang kash Safih kushentani Linkililing, kilililing, ujul kushentani Kerasukil, gilbagunyil Kerasukil, gilbagunyil Syurtang aminga, uyailang aminga Syurtang aminga, uyailang aminga Safih kushentani Kiliking kililing Kiling kilililing Ujul kushentani Kash kumbang kash Kash kumbang kash Safih kushentani Kiliking kililing Kiling kilililing Ujul kushentani Kerasukil Gilbagunyil Syurtang amin go uh, to Kuwait to Aisha Al-Marta. She's a very well-known Kuwaiti singer who was apparently the first female singer to perform on TV with a full band. And she, I think at the age of seven, she lost her sight. And so she was blind. She loved music. She was, again, one of those women who, at the start of the 20th century, really wanted to sing, really wanted to be within that musical group. And she even, she somehow escaped because she was, her parents, I think, passed away and she lived with her maternal uncle. I think that she even trained with Oda Limhanna. Then she started working in the 70s with the Kuwaiti broadcast radio. And like at some point she married a famous folklore singer, Rashid Jum'a Buftain. And the song that I was planning to present is called, very obviously golf style, representing Yaleri Dana, uh, which was the song that actually she performed uh, on TV. I think, I don't know if it was in 1945 or maybe later, but I remember reading how people working around her and with her were not sure about letting a woman perform with a whole orchestra in front of TV. 
there were like ideas about preparing a TV program that would have musical performances. So her and one of the composers prepared the whole piece and it was recorded and you can actually view it on YouTube. Uh, and it's about yearning for the loved one mm. where she's complaining, but he's not answering back. It's actually very difficult to find like proper, deeper information on on specifically women mm. from from the region, where like like really more relevant information than who she married and how. So basically, with Aisha, apparently there's the story about her husband owning uh, an ice cream shop, and it's the first ice cream shop in Kuwait, and it's still there. <laughs> The important information. <laughs> exactly. So you just think, okay, how is that relevant to her musical career? Do you know what the ice cream shop is called? Uh, yeah, hold on. Halwayat Wabudat Al Kawakib. Wow. Space yeah. cream. Yeah.
the dots because you said that she was singing about her missed loved one mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so I also have a song which speaks about the same subject it's by the artist Aser Aweke she's an Ethiopian singer and the song is called Ishibelu she's a very very uh, famous Ethiopian vocalist and she lived outside of Ethiopia she was in the States for a while but has always been super popular there mm -hmm. and I just really really love the modes in Ethiopian music and this one is, is really really beautiful I don't really have much more to say about this song <laughs> it's a gorgeous track do you know anything about the modes of, of Ethiopian music because I, I would love to learn more about that 
I know a couple of and I, I I love Ethiopian music yeah a lot Danny and from the little I know it's like a famous incident I don't know if you know it where like Selassie was in his first trip outside of Ethiopia he went to mm. Alexandria then Jerusalem mm. then Athens and from there to Western Europe to mm-hmm. kind of work with the French and the English governments uh, to uh, and his struggle against the Italians. Yeah. And his trip, basically, he stopped in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he uh, was so a state uh, or like an orphanage, an Armenian orphanage played for him. So he uh, paid the costs of, for this orphanage to relocate to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And that orphanage created like a micro-Armenian community within Ethiopia. No. There's a really nice documentary made about it. Yes, that, That's uh, crazy. Yeah, because it does no, really sound, it, it does it, sound it, it, Eastern. It gets crazier. It gets easier. Music teachers of that school start to teach in the music conservatory in Ethiopia. And basically everybody in the jazz and blues and classical music of Ethiopia were trained by a couple of teachers one of the, one of their main teachers were were two or three Armenian musicians, and this documentary goes investigating throughout this and speaking to people like Mulato Astate and Helomarajia and and so on and so forth. Mm. And the other thing is that the religious aspect of it. So you've got that Armenian influence. You've got yeah. that uh, you've got that East African Swahili, like mm-hmm. Swahili, and also you have the 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 religious aspect of it it really is very what do you call it spiritual divine it's like it reminds me a lot of, of this eastern church music yeah and it's you know even if it's like modern sing spacey ambient stuff or if mm. it's jazz or if it's blues or if it's keys there is a thread that's common that you yeah. can thematically relate to and feel yeah. and distinguish which is really nice, like it, uh, with Eritrean music, which is like Eritrean, Ethiopia uh, is almost the same place. Yeah. Like that might be controversial for some people, but there's lots of ties on tribal level and language level. Yeah. And the Tangari as a language is, is, is maybe the second or third most spoken language in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. So with Eritrean music, there is also that, but it's not as distinct, it's not as, 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 re, as identifiable as Ethiopian, I would say. Ishebelu by Aster Aweke. Soy Kenyala, 
Where are we going next? Where are we going next? Sudan. Hmm. Sudan, Khojli Uthman, Malo, no Safet, Namara. He was killed in 1994 by a part of the ex Sudani regime, which was toppled recently by one of the leaders of it called Uthman, um, Ali Uthman Muhammad Taha, which was responsible for an attempt to murder Hassan uh, Barak, but a failed attempt, and and this guy was killed because of him knowing too much about this. Anyway, oh. that's like just a stretch on Facebook that mm. I found. I don't know. I don't know how truth is or not, but the song is mm. really beautiful. I'm gonna 
مالو لو قلبك سرانا يا مال مالو لو قلبك سرانا يا مالو لو in Sudan with a musician that um, I really really like the way she composes her music and the way she sings and she is Sudanese uh, her name is Amira Khair and she is half Italian half Sudanese and she basically moves around what she's been trying to say based in London um, the first time I saw her perform was like in maybe 2016 
She has a sort of like a poetic elegance that she interweaves with free jazz. She uses Nubian melodies and tunes. Her lyrics are contemporary and um, and ancient, uh, where she tries to focus on topics like humanity and the environment. Um, she has released three albums so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one was released in 2018 was called Mystic Dance. And I think that last year she must have been uh, nominated by Songlines as one of the like um, best upcoming artists or something like that. Uh, and she's often sort of described as sort of doing futuristic desert blues. <laughs> this is Yaman's favorite word. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah, like, uh, to be honest, I don't know who... who comes up with the labels but either way her music is really nice labels are made up to sell oh it is oh emily you are going to love this you need to read a book that's called modernity's ear oh it's uh it's amazing yeah by roshan kashti she explores the like world music industry Mm. from a queer perspective it's a really good read Uh, yeah I think that you will enjoy it she argues how listening is feminized and how the ear is that organ that basically receives and how words are forged in the world music industry to accentuate the um the the exotic exactly exactly but also maintain some form of familiarity well Mm. either way amira's music is nice i have to say (laughs) and uh, we are going to listen to a song that's called famnoor actually
Okay, are we staying okay. in Sudan? Yes. So my next song is by the El Capitano of Nubian music. Have you guys heard of Ali Hassan Kuban? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So I was revisiting some of his music and I uh, was struck by a song on his album, Rock Like a Nubian. Piranha, exactly. Yeah, so P- I think Piranha were the the first and only label to give him international exposure, no? He's a Nubian artist and he was also a wedding artist and uh, grew up in Cairo, but he was born in, in a village near Aswan. The song is called Habibi and maybe you can help me recognize why it seems familiar, but I feel like we've, maybe there's some covers or... I play it in Macau, I don't know. Really?
Habibi, 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 Okay, so yeah. from Ali Hassan Kuban in Sudan, uh, will we travel a little bit? Yeah, we will travel to the neighboring area uh, and we will play a song by Tishaito Beraki. Uh, she's an Eritrean musician, poet, and political activist. Um, she plays the uh, the harp, the Ethiopian and mm. uh, what's it called? Karar, Karar. It's like you know the Samsumia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, it's close to the Samsumia, but without the, the sound box. So it's just like a harp with five strings, basically. She was supportive of the Eritrean revolution and war of independence against Ethiopia. And then she had to flee the country and go to Europe and returning back to to Eritrea after some years. She sings in the Tigrigna language, which mm-hmm. is basically mm-hmm. also spoken in Ethiopia. She also plays percussions, uh, like East African percussions. And then the name of this song is Adzumtum Kiskisom.
So from Eritrea, we will hop into Bahrain, where I came across a musician called Dahi bin Walid, who was born in Bahrain to a Saudi father of East African origins. He worked with one of the most famous Bahraini musicians and composers back then in the Gulf, whose name was Mohammed bin Faris. Basically, there's different rhythms in the Gulf, um, and one of them is called Sot. What they had was Rawis, who would hold the rhythm, without which the the singer wouldn't actually function. And he initially started like that. Dahi bin Walid became really popular. And then there was competition between him and Muhammad bin Faris. And there's an anecdote that goes how both of them went to, to Baghdad to record their music and one of their albums. And then they had a bit of a dispute because Muhammad bought dates in the market, uh, Muhammad bin Faris, and he wanted Dahi and Walid to carry them for him. And Dahi was like, no, we're equal. That's the quote that he's quoted. So you carry your own dates. I'm not carrying them for you. And so I thought it's nice to touch upon the injustices that are often placed on musicians of black origin in the area because I was also talking to Tariq Yemeni uh, and a big shout out to him for sending me his book and him exploring the African music of the region uh, about the injustices that they're faced with. This song is called Yaman Hawahu Dahi Bin Wali.
told you that I was playing the song Kobana by the Al Nubia band, which was featured on another one of Piranha's release this time from 2009 called Egypt Noir Nubian Soul Treasures. So this is a record which compiles different Nubian urban artists in Cairo 
I couldn't find very much about the group and Nubia band. Yeah, it's an ensemble yeah. made. Kuban uh, is not part of it, but it's uh, ah. the Piranha label uh, to keep on producing Nubian music on, on for the Western audiences. They kind of worked with local musicians and uh, grouped this band together, basically. Sadly, because let's like, for example, like when you look at Sudani music and Ethiopian music and mm. Not Ethiopian as much, but Sudani, Somali, Eritrean, not Eritrean, yeah, Nubian music and so on. There isn't really a lot of good quality recordings. Yeah. So what those guys are good at, the, the, the world music crew, they are good at doing good recording sessions and they're also yeah. good at restoration work. And visibility. And they, they know how to yeah. restore visibility. And also, exactly, they know how to use the internet and how to put yeah. their things out there but also they are they generally like if you look at Sudani musicians for example their recordings that you can source it online it's mainly recordings VHS recordings of yeah sessions they had on TV or yeah. some sets digitized while those guys do a lot of work on restoration if not the original recordings and remastering them so and so on and so forth so you get better quality generally and yeah. also the visibility <laughs>
Yamun. Yeah, I will play Djibouti. It's Asma Omar. So the band, it's the group RTD, which is the national radio, Djibouti radio band that uh-huh. plays for the radio and uh, constantly and record for the radio. And the Austin Now Records guys went and did a deal with the national radio of Djibouti to do workshops on digitization and archiving. Mm. Uh, also managed to license some of the songs from them. So the lead singer, her name is Asma Omar, and the rest of the band, uh, they're all from Djibouti. And mm. they're so proud, uh, those guys that released the LP, that it's the first record to be recorded in Djibouti, but released to the West or something like this. Okay. Uh, but anyway, what's, it's, it's a good record, all in all. What's good about it is different from the new like, compilation slash selection slash archival releases, because it's been recorded last year, basically, in Djibouti. Mm. Oh, wow. So it has a fresh sound to it, and it's very good sound quality relatively yeah that's it Djibouti Buraha Udir the highest mountains Yeah.
Okay, let's say goodbyes. It was a pleasure. We look Thank forward to, to continuing this exploration in Indeed. our upcoming episodes. We're going to look at more of North African spiritual music. We're going to be looking more at the Gulf yes. and Ethiopia. Okay, we need a good special on Ethiopia. A lot yes. more to come. Stay tuned.